if you think, you know, for your audience, like you think your home services business spending $1,000 a month or $5,000 a month is going to break through the clutter of 10,000, you're not competing against other home services companies or other people in your industry. You're competing against office chair companies. You're competing against t-shirt companies. You're competing against sunglasses companies. You're competing against 10,000 companies, right? I mean, it's insane. And so the way you break through the clutter is one, we've already talked about it, have a deep understanding of your customer through data and analytics to make sure you're talking to the exact right people with their exact right message. But if your message is still crappy, you're still not going to get conversions. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. All right, guys, it's going to be a great podcast. I got Philip Stutz here out of the Florida Panhandle area. He's an expert in Political marketing, corporate marketing, sales, and PR. He's the founder and CEO of Win Big Media, a corporate marketing agency, and founder and executive chairman of the Go Big Media, a political marketing ad firm. He's written multiple books, such as The Undefeated Marketing System How to Grow Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula That Elects Presidents which hit the top 65 out of 6 million titles on Amazon. He has made more than 350 national media appearances, including ESPN, CBS, Fox Business, Fox News, MSNBC, and CNN. Well, listen, this is actually really cool, man. I I really, I'm obsessed with marketing. And I'm obsessed with branding. I love Google. I love affiliate marketing. I love influencer marketing. I love retargeting. Every single piece of it, I'm obsessed with. You should read read the book then because you'd be geeking out. I will. Here's what I love to do. I'll get you on right now, obviously. And then I'll get the book. I'll knock it out by the, I'd say, how long is it? Oh, it's like, I don't know, 200 pages. So I'll knock it out by the end of the month. And then we'll do another one. And talk yeah, about here, here's the thing about, and I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm a fan of the book, but I tell the whole book through stories. So if you like political war stories of how to market behind the scenes with presidential campaigns, and then how we translate that into business success, it's all told through stories. So it is a highly entertaining book. I'll tell you that much. That's exciting, man. I'm obsessed with politics as well. I mean, I follow it really, really closely. So. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about Go Big Media, Win Big Media, and where you're from and, and how you got into your career, what your plans are? Well, it's interesting. It's kind of come full circle because I started when I went to college, I went to the University of Alabama, and all I really cared about was college football. And I like political campaigns, although I'd never worked on one. And I didn't have any idea what I was going to do in my life until basically I'd graduated college. And when I say full circle, the University of Alabama, Nick Saban is now a client of mine who we help market. So it's come a long way, baby. But my thing is, is like, ultimately, I'm such an ADD person. Tommy, does that maybe sound familiar to you at all? Yeah, you can tell already. Yeah. So I I mean, I'm 48. So I was diagnosed with ADD in the 80s. And I was basically like the first generation of ADD kids. There was no ADHD when I grew up. They didn't exist. It was ADD. Like that was it, you know? And only thing I could do were things I really cared about and were interested in. Like, that was it. Like, that's all I could focus on, right? 
to this day, I can handle a lot of different things, but I still really only want to pursue things I'm really purpose-driven for. So I really cared about college football and I cared about political campaigning. I loved how politicians won elections. I had no idea. I was 22 and I just said, I don't know, I'm going to go volunteer. I ended up working on a presidential campaign in 1996 and it just kind of launched my career. I worked on now eight presidential campaigns, three winning presidential campaigns. I've been a part of now about 1,453 election victories. And when I, about six years ago, I said, we have this insane marketing mindset in politics and no one knows about it. And if we applied it to businesses, I bet it would work, but it was a theory. And so I went out to prove it. I created a corporate marketing agency. I can tell you great stories from pest control industry or the home services industry because we've helped both. And I actually write about it in the book, a home services company that we worked with. But my ultimate goal is like, what do we do in politics that elects U.S. senators, presidents? And then how could businesses utilize that sort of formula that we use in marketing to have success? So we worked on it for like six years. We now work with NASCAR. We work with huge like pest control chains. We work with University of Alabama and Nick Saban. We work with publicly traded companies, marketing them on the formula that elects presidents. And the reason we work with all of them is because every time we've applied this formula to a business, they have grown their bottom line every time. Thus, the title of my book is called The Undefeated Marketing System because we went, oh my God. See, you get this, Tommy, because I've read all about you and I, I really, really like what you put out and how determined you are. But the best way, the most successful people in this world find outlier approaches that no one else is using. And the businesses we work with now are marketing in a way that no one else is marketing from Fortune 200 companies to small businesses. And so I was like, man, there's a story to tell. So I told the story in the book, not only on how political campaigns work and are successful, but how it's been applied to specific business industries, including the ones that we'll talk about today. This is great. So one of my things that I've learned, and I never believed this about a decade ago, I said, I can make the phone ring off the hook. And what I said was, those are all non-branded search terms, right? I, I'm good at SEO, yeah. good at direct response type stuff. And then I realized the couple HVAC companies that they talked to me and they said, I only bid on my own keywords. I don't even bid on the crap like HVAC repair Phoenix yeah. air conditioning. And they said, my Google cost is very low, but my conversion rate's the highest in the industry. My average ticket's higher than everybody because I'm a brand now. Right. So let's just talk about the main concept of, I guess, how presidents win. What are some of the factors? Well, and there's a five-step formula. I think the best thing to do is just focus on one, on the very first step, because you can't really do anything else without the first step. So what I would describe the way, I'm, I'm not just a typical marketer, I'm a data and analytics marketer. My job is to eliminate the risk of the business owner before I succeed so that they succeed. And then when they succeed, I have that client forever and ever, right? In politics, we run these campaigns and we take this first step, which is we must find an alignment between the politician and the voter. So let me give an example, like a U.S. Senator, let's say from Arizona, wants to, or a guy wants to run for U.S. Senate in Arizona. He comes to me and he says, hey, I want to run for Senate. And I'm like, great. 
tell me what you believe in. Inevitably, the egotistical politician tells me like 27 different thing, policy issues that they want to run on. And I'm like, okay, nobody wants to know about your 27 issues, right? But what I do is then I go out and take those 27 issues and overlay them on what the voters are doing online, surveying them, tracking their movements online. And I can ultimately find two issues where the voter has pure alignment with the politician, where we know that if we run on those two issues, the politician will win. Okay. So like, I would say like Donald Trump, he ran on the border and the economy, right? And make America great again. It wasn't That's very right. many things. It was right. He tapped into what the voters were thinking because he knew ahead of time that the voters were also thinking that, right? And so how about this? When you translate that to business, what I'm blown away by is how many, and you probably see this in all the advisement you do of business owners, how many business owners come out and just talk about what they want to talk about you know, uh, an example of this, personally, I love to tell my founder story. I'm sitting here telling it right now, right? What if I told you that the people you wanted to buy from you, they only cared about 25% of your founder story and you knew it? Would you continue to talk about the 75% they didn't care about? Or would you take the 25% and optimize it for peak performance? Because I can tell you, and the reason I can is because I have a partnership with the largest data collection analytics and AI company in America. And in my database, I have 240 million American consumers, 550 million connected devices. I'm tracking 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches every single day. So I can tell anybody their customer list. We can overlay it online. And then I can tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about them, what their values are in life, what social media platforms they're on in a chronological order. I can tell you what they watch specifically, what shows they watch, what they read specifically what magazines they're subscribed to. I can tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about them. So for us, that's the first step because as the business owner, I've got to find the alignment between what I'm selling and what my customers want. And a great example, I'll tell you this, we worked with this home services company and they came to us and said, man, we built this company on the backs of the great recession back in 2008, 2009. And they grew the company like crazy. And then all of a sudden, it just fell off the cliff, their marketing did. And I asked them why. And they said, well, we've been marketing to discounts for about 12 years now. Everything's discounts, right? Buy us, uh, everything was discounts. And I said, is that what your customer wants? And they said, yeah. And I said, how do you know? They said, well, we forex the company in the last eight years. I said, but what happened the last year? They said, we've lost $2 million in market share. And I said, why? And they said, we don't know. And I said, but you're still running your marketing campaign on discounts. And they said, yeah. And so we overlaid all of their customers online. We tracked their movements online. We have this massive report we put out. We showed them. Their customers actually saw discounts as cheap and unsafe. You're going to have someone, some technician come to your house and go rummage through all your appliances and everything. And all of a sudden, you know, that woman is alone that day in the house. And you hire that person because they're the cheapest. That doesn't make people feel safe. What we said was they wanted value, but they wanted to feel smart. We saw this. We saw in the data that they bundled all these services like cable and phone and all of these things, right? And so we said, guys, you got to market to bundling to save money, not discounts. That small one tweak. And within five months of us finding that, this company had the greatest month in the history of their 36-year company. We also intertwined other things we found in the data into their marketing campaign. I write about this story all in my book. 
but it was one of the most profound changes we've ever seen. And it wasn't that I did anything special, Tommy. It was because I found out what the customer wanted and we delivered to them. Yeah, I'm pretty curious on how the data could say, because I do the same thing. I got one through six star and it's all a bundle because the car dealerships, the cable companies, right. we, they bundle. And so we learn from the greatest, the alarm, all of these. Yep. So what is the data called again? Because you can't go into an individual, can you or can you? Uh, it's called a customer insights report. So, so if I wanted to, so we've done this data for Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Fortune 200 companies, but we've also done it for a lot of small businesses as well, because we have a way to do it that's affordable, but that's how we do it. So what if I wanted to find anybody like me that was an influencer on the major Facebook, Instagram, TikTok? Can you give me that list to be able to market to that and be able to get them as affiliates, influencers? You know, what you're able to do is take your, let's say for your garage company, right? You can take your customer list, overlay it online, and we can track, not survey, track their movements and then tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about them. We also can put a pixel on your website that when someone comes to your website and let's say they don't buy from you, we know why and what the reason is by why they didn't buy from you. And then all of it, ultimately, we can do a modeled audience. Now, can we get down granular to a specific person? The answer is yes, but it kind of depends on the campaign itself. And that gets really expensive, too. And so from a more affordable standpoint, it's about tracking customers. And then you're trying to figure out who your avatar is. Yeah. So it's interesting because I interview a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Do you go by Philip? Yeah. Philip. Okay. So I interview hundreds of companies a quarter. And right now, amazingly enough, people are dying for employees. Mm -hmm. So yeah. can you reverse this, Philip, and say, how do I find out you take your top technicians, you find out where they hang out, what the platforms they're using, yes. how to get in front of them? Is that an opportunity as well? Yeah, I'm sure there is. I mean, it. I would have to put whoever is with my data team. And if we couldn't deliver on what someone wanted, then we wouldn't do it. But the fact is we pretty much have about, on average, we have about 10,000 data points on 240 million Americans. You know, it's interesting. There's these data houses. There's a lot of them. And I had Gannett. You familiar with Gannett? Yeah. They ran all these analytics and I made them sign a bunch of NDAs because it wasn't, I wasn't going to let them take my data. So they built this whole avatar model, but I just didn't really know what to do with it. You know, yeah. I'm like, okay, this is great. I figured out the segment. They had like all these different type of clients, right? That, that had different names. They came up with like 10 different personas and they said, this is your main persona, but they didn't really give me a whole lot to do with it. So what, once you get this data, what are you trying to do? You're trying to get in front of your avatar. You're trying to change the way you sell. I mean, what are the, the three key things that come out of Th this analysis. Yeah, it's not even, it would be the four things and the, they are the five-step formula. So that's step one. Step two, and again, I write about this, about how everybody gets this wrong because everybody has the exact same question you have. Like, okay, well, what do I do with this? But far too often, you have a lot of business owners, they go build a website, spend a ton of money on their brand, and they don't even have an idea of what their customer or their client wants right? 
And so for us, we look at it as a package deal. You buy the data and we build a strategic roadmap for you that tells you it's almost like a money ball marketing approach because we can tell you the platforms you need to be on, how much you need to allocate to that specific platform, the messages that you need to run, what percentage of people are on video, which people are just on social. We can tell you everything. If you're looking at a pie graph, you know specifically in the data how you should be allocating your resources. Do you know how much money people save by doing this, by the way? Because they have no inefficiencies in their spend, none. And so then, but we put a plan together and it also takes the alignment of the vision of the business owner and what their customer wants and wants to hear and is interested in it. And why that's important is because we're not doing these one time for companies. We're doing them every quarter right now because for two years or two and a half years since the pandemic broke out, Every month, there is a different change. Somebody's getting squeezed. Somebody's excited. Somebody's making money. Somebody's not making money. All of their buying values are changing constantly, right? Six months ago, people were spending like crazy. Six months later, right now, we have inflationary. We have a recession going on. Like There are too many factors. I always tell people, especially in the home services industry, are you a must or are you a should? Because the customer is asking that question in their head right now. Is this a must or is this a should, right? And so for us, you have to build a strategic roadmap that aligns all the data with the vision of the business owner and puts an analytical and data model in place. The third step for us is then we build the brand. Because now that you know what the business owner wants, now that you know what the customer wants, you go build out your website or improve your website or optimize or whatever it is you need to do. Right. Because if you're going to spend money and send people to your website to buy from you, right, or to look you up because they want to know, are you credible or whatever? Why would you put something up and spend a bunch of money that doesn't speak to people in their brain? Like, why would you do that? This is what I see every day. It drives me nuts. And then the fourth step is we take the greatest messages we find in the data, not messages we sit around in a boardroom, Tommy, and brainstorm on because we're marketers and really smart. No, I'm not smart. I look at the data and I go, there are 10 messages we know will work for your marketing, your advertising, your Google SEO outside of uh, the typical stuff you do. And I go, let's go A-B test it. And so we A-B test what the data tells us, not what's off the top of our heads in a brainstorm session. Everybody A-B test. Everybody does it. I got it. I don't do it that way. Because what happens is in the data, you're going to find eight messages that will work, but two of them will probably blow through the roof and you don't even realize it. And so what we're trying to do in a low cost step four approach is to figure out what two or three messages are going to work the best. And then once you know those from a low cost testing, you go to step five, which is your full marketing launch, because you've eliminated your risk as the business owner in your marketing. Every single step has eliminated your risk. So before you go spend a $25,000 a month campaign or whatever, you have to follow these steps. The company we talked about. They had spent over a million dollars in marketing to lose two million in market share before they came to us. So we came to them and said, you got to eliminate your risk first, and then you got to launch a successful marketing campaign second. So once we went through the stuff, that's when they had the greatest month in the history of their 36-year company. So when I look at a company, let me just break something for you. Kind mm-hmm. of when I walk in the doors, I don't look at their PL, I don't care about their balance sheet or their income statement in the beginning. I look at a few factors. Yeah. Number one, I look at the calls that are coming in. I want to know are they branded or not branded? It's important. 
because if they're branded, it's a higher conversion rate, higher average ticket, yep. less cancellation rate. The next thing I, I want to know their average ticket, their booking rate, and their conversion rate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like your four wait. factors I've studied, man. This is how I fix these companies. Yep. I mean, I go in and I, I say, what's it. your booking rate? And they say, I don't, you know, I probably run 80%. Me and my wife do a great job answering the phones. And I say, oh my God, when you hear that, you just go, oh man, we got to have a talk, right? Well, we got to get it systematized. We got to make right. sure that the data is accurate. And then I want to use some AI to see, is there empathy? Are we saying the right things? How do we get yeah. a scorecard of each call? Because my mom used to answer phones for this company 10 years ago, more than 10. And people, when I showed up to a house to fix it, you know, a decade ago, the people smiled and they gave me a hug and they said, oh my God, you guys are the best company, that lady on the phone. She never told them she's my mom, but it's amazing. So so those are the things that I yeah. find. But also I spent a million and a half a month on marketing for A1 Browse Door Service. Well, Walmart. yeah, thank you. Hello, I want everybody to listen to what you just said. Do you know how many people come to us and they go, well, we'll spend a thousand dollars, but we expect a 10X return. And I'm like, do you know there's not one Fortune 200 company out there in the world that lowballs their marketing? They go all in because it's the only way to scale and grow. So I applaud you in a lot of different ways, but this one is, you get it. Well, the deal is, is I've got 5,000 call tracking numbers. Now that's a little crazy because, you know, if you talk to the wizard of ads, Roy Williams, he'll, he'll say he does 1-800-GOT-JUNK. He says, forget attribution models. You want everything working in this, high funnel atmosphere where you're everywhere. He guarantees that radio is the cheapest platform to get clients. He says it's the most effective and it's still the cheapest way. If the data tells you that, you know, something I saw that you have that I agree with is we have seen an explosion in the importance of direct mail, right? And not only that, and the data. Now, if, if I look at somebody's data, it doesn't say direct mail. I'm not going to tell them to go there. Like I don't make money on any of these platforms, F Facebook, Google. No, they don't pay me. I follow the data and we optimize for that performance. But you've said, you know, one of the things I'd say is I would never run a, a mail piece ever unless I did a digital mail chase on it. And a lot of people don't even understand that. And so there's so many optimization tools when the data tells you to do something that you must do. So I partner with a pretty big company that, that does a lot of analytics. They pull all this data in and they figure out it's very hard to track TV, radio, billboards because those are usually branded. They're not as, as much direct response. It's top of mind awareness so that when you pull up the Google, you're going to get a higher click-through rate. And, and, you know, they have this thing called Nielsen data and stuff that all these, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar. But there's nothing that doesn't work. This is what I tell people. I still use Valpac. I know people that are making tens of millions on Yellow Book. I use Angie's List. Mm -hmm. I still use Craigslist for stuff. Like any platform could win. You know, I got these PFP deals. The reason I love PFP is it's performance pay. They got to kick ass. They'll put me on the front cover of the Arizona Republic or the Detroit Free Press or the Milwaukee Sentinel. They'll put me right on the front because they get such a big ROI. So it's a win-win because they're working hard with zero of my dollars because they know I got a high conversion rate, good average ticket. You know, this is fascinating for me because the data does tell a lot of things and I'm a data nut. It's almost ridiculous how much I love data and analysis. But I think there's certain times that I get a little too deep into it. You know, for example, I only pay attention to, you know, that five KPIs really. Then I could dig in deeper, deeper, deeper. But what is the one big thing that you would say that that you've seen that you've kind of turned around when you, when people work with you? Is there any big mind shifts? Yeah, I mean, the mind shift is that I'm a fiduciary for their customer. 
look, most marketing agencies, in fact, 99% of them feels like you get the 1% because you get it a lot stronger than most everybody else. But 99% of people hire marketing agencies and they go, oh, we're so good at this. And we sat around the table and we came up with some awesome ideas for your company. They made those ideas up. And I'm sure they're super smart people. But when you sit down with someone and you say, if you follow these five steps, you're going to grow your business. Second, it's not my opinion. It's following what your customers are doing. And it's literally telling you everything you've ever wanted to know about them in a 57-page report that will blow your mind that like I spent two hours one-on-one with Tony Robbins walking through some of his stuff recently. We've done this with Mark Cuban, like I said. like We've done this for some of the biggest brands in the world. And I went to my data partner and I said, you know who needs this? Not Fortune 200 companies, but small businesses. And so I pay almost a million dollars a year for the licensing agreement that no one else has and no marketing agency has in the world. And then I'm able to price it out at a point where smaller companies can utilize it and get a better cost efficiency out of it. And that showing them, like, I'm not kidding when I tell you this, we've done something like 516 of these reports in the last four years. And I always say, you know, you always say like uh, undersell and then overperform. I oversell and then it overperforms. I've never had ever had a business owner not jaw drop to the ground and say, I knew those three things, but I didn't know about those 10 things. Holy cow, that's going to change everything in the way that I message, the way I train my sales teams, the way I train my phone operators, the way that we market this business. You know what? Every Fortune 200 company right now is running a Moneyball marketing game. It is all based on data and analytics, not what do the numbers say. It's literally, where are these people? How often do they spend time on these sites? How much money should we allocate to these platforms? It is literally an analytical and data game. And if you're a business owner and you're out there guessing right now, then you're going to be disrupted really, really, really soon. You have to be very, very, very in tune, not just with the data results of your business, but what is going on in the lives of your customer because it is changing at a rate that we've never seen. Like we used to see... Customers change their preferences and why they would buy once every five years until the pandemic. And now it's almost month to month. And if you don't understand how it's evolving and changing, then you can be or could be left behind. So I'm curious because I'm involved with a lot of different things. And tell me a little bit about e-commerce. I've got a site called Garage Door Nation. And people, DIY guys go there and they'll buy their parts. People say that's kind of contradictory selling parts when you do the repair. But I say most of these people are calling me afterwards because they can't figure it out. You know, yep. ultimately, there's a lot of DIY people. Do you guys work with e-commerce as well? I mean, I would tell you e-commerce is more familiar to us in the sense of it feels like a voter than it does anything else, right? I brought in a bunch of corporate marketers, but the foundation of how we built this is built on the system that gets politicians elected. Because here's the thing, Tommy, there's not one marketer in the world right now following this approach, not one. And I'll lay it out on the book, but I say, if you follow this, your competition is not following the system. It's just not. And in a disruptive moment, you've got to think (laughs) disruptively, right? So on the e-commerce side, yeah, I mean, we work with a ton of e-commerce brands because we have to be very aggressive in how they look at sales. 
I've got another website called Lead Geeks, and we buy motivated seller leads. Okay, we we sell the leads. Yep. And the deal is, is when somebody wants to sell their house for cash, they want to sell it quick. It's kind of like a competition with Zillow and and that kind of stuff. But a lot of this stuff, though, here's the question. A lot of this stuff is timing. Like we're more demand searches. My spring just broke. We just bumped into the garage door. Right. The opener went out. Are you are you using Google Performance Max? Performance Max? I don't know. I, 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 uh, I think. All right. Performance Max is now, if your people aren't doing it, like literally you're getting six cent leads again with Performance Max. Well, here's the thing. Check this out. In the home service industry, we got this thing called advanced verification guaranteed google guarantee and my lead cost is amazing you got to do the background checks you got to do all this shit to get through it right and it takes them six months they shut down during covid they didn't even take any applicants so the all the ones i had that advanced yeah i killed it that's awesome the 20 years that i didn't i was pissed yeah and i'm still waiting on 19 of them one just went live last week so we do the background checks i mean literally what i hate the most about sometimes google is man, I got drug tests, background checks, W-2s, brand new trucks. I buy their tools. They're great people. I do all this stuff. Yet there's all these people that don't do anything right, that they have bad backgrounds, and they get through the, the holes. And I just hate it because I've worked so hard to really do the right thing. You know, Google doesn't even like SEO. They hate the word. Yeah. They say, I want it to all be organic, right? They say, I don't want you to optimize for us, but I'm like, well, what do you want us to do? They're like, we want you to go out there and be in the community and get natural links. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. Well, what Performance is- Max is something they're rolling out. They started it in January. And basically, they're opening up the floodgates to all of the data that they've collected. So Facebook did this and got in a lot of trouble. But then it all died down. And now Google is going to start doing this. Now, maybe Facebook had a 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 points of data on you. Google has like 20 million points of data on every single person in in the country. And then what happens with Performance Max is there's an onboarding period. But the longer you work with their logarithm, the sharper it gets. And then it only targets like the greatest leads that you could possibly want. And then... Just like everything, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I work with, has a great saying that uh, uh, marketers ruin everything. And eventually, Google Performance Max will not be effective. Just like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, well, that's, that's, but you, you, know, you got another 12 months before that starts kicking in. And even then, you probably have another six to 12 months after that by the time it just becomes so flooded in the marketplace. I'll tell you, this guy called me last night. And he said, Tommy, if you could go back 10 years, what would you tell yourself? And I told him all this stuff, but I said, number one, own your day. But I said, what I've learned during COVID is if I get A-plus technicians, CSRs, dispatchers that are great people, and I give them the exact things to say, where to stand, how to ask questions, how to actively listen, eye contact, I'll win every time. I'm teaching people exactly a process. So I could take a Craigslist lead and crush it. Mm-hmm. I think what we've done a good job is, is that we can make technicians. We find the right person. We do this huge test. It's called perceptive predict. And what happens is we took all of our technicians, 300 technicians. They took a 45-minute test. We got the test down to 20 minutes, and it takes nature versus nurture. What we teach the technicians uses our training and says, this person is a fit based on psychology. And using these things, and I'm a date, you can tell, I, I love this stuff. So 
using that data to find the right stuff and using your data, I'm, I'm sure would be powerful. You, you said a number. You said, um, I want a 10 times return on my 10,000. I, I know it's probably different size companies, different data, but roughly, how does the process work? Which part? The enrollment, the fees, the results. Oh, oh yeah. Well, first of all, for anybody out there, you can do a free 30-minute consultation with my team to see if it's a good fit for you. And my team will do a call with you on it. And if you're like, oh, they can't do whatever it is for me, then obviously it doesn't cost you anything. But that's at uh, philipstutz.com slash insights. It's like a 30-second form. They will set up a call with you immediately. And then they'll you'll ask all the questions and walk through and see if it's a good fit. For us, we really package it at about 10K for the data. But with the strap plan, we do it at about 15K. So you can actually save a little bit of money because those things together are 10K each. And then, you know, like I said, either we can help you build that out and market it, or you can hand it off to your team and let them go. But trust me on this, they're going to have the exact game plan. It's going to be a money ball data and analytics marketing plan. And it's going to be based on what we see within the data and nothing else. And so again, like, let me give you one example. Sorry, I'll, I'll interrupt you. But um, no, no, go ahead. NASCAR came to us and they said, pandemic killed us. We got a race. We have a, a track in Atlanta, Atlanta Motor Speedway. And they said, I mean, it's been like since 2017. We haven't even sold the thing out. We didn't even have a race two years ago. We had to suspend the race in 2021. We have this race coming up. It's in March. It was this March of 2022. And they said, can you help us come in? So we went in in the fall and in the winter of 2021 to 2022 and implemented these five steps. And it was the most successful ticket selling event they've ever had at their worst selling track of all the tracks they have. So then they're like, okay, well, you're coming to our other tracks now. And so now we've expanded that portfolio, right? Coach Nick Saban, the greatest college football coach in the history of college football. Now college football players can be paid. I don't know if you know that, but there's this thing called name, image, and likeness. So he brought us in and said, help us market our athletes so that we can keep the greatest team together. So that's what we're doing. And we're doing it all through the data and analytics model. And so on and on and on, you know, like I said, we've done home services projects. We've done big pest control companies. We've done e-commerce. In a way, Tommy, I like all industries. We do B2B, we do B2C. And my only thing is, I don't want anybody reaching out to me that's not committed. In my book, I talk about, and you probably appreciate this, the difference between committed versus interested. The interested are always interested in what you have to say or I have to say until a shiny object dances by them and then they're interested in that, right? I'm in it just like you you have your four steps and they have to commit to managing and monitoring and measuring those four steps. I'm with companies that want to go and be committed to their marketing and want to succeed. Well, let me ask you a few questions here, PR related. Yeah. And I am very selfish in a way, but people have the same issues. I'm a PR nut. I mean, I'm a contributor to Inc. I'm all over Forbes and Huffington Post and I get all these links. Right now, we're going hard on TikTok. We're going hard on Instagram. We're going hard on Facebook. We're doing a lot on LinkedIn. We're starting a really powerful YouTube page. You know, what I'm, what I'm really trying to do, Grant Cardone, Gary V, these guys kind of, they crack the code. Like Grant Cardone says, they only invest in real estate or my image of, of like growing my network. I guess for me, I feel like 
I kind of put it all out there. I want to help people. I mean, it's no bullshit. I'm not trying to like figure out how I could sell these people. What I found out is relationships always come back. It's like doors open. People get to know each other and all of a sudden we throw each other bones. And that's really what it's about. I want to make a thousand millionaires here in the next few years. So a couple questions here is you could do personalities too. How would you do an individual? Is that possible? Yeah. I mean, you find out who you want to speak to. We can find out everybody in that particular network. So, I mean, yeah, I'm talking to Grant Cardone, CEO right now. We're about to do some stuff for him. And I, like I said, I work for Gary Vee's speaking company, right? I've gone on Gary Vee's show twice. They hire me out to give you know speeches on stage. But the reason we do it is because the approach that we have is so unique and different. So if you're saying, hey, like we're working with a female CEO who wants to be the next Sarah Blakely, right? And she runs a billion dollar, this woman I'm talking to right now runs a billion dollar company. And so we're helping her build that brand uniquely, but in alignment with what's going to resonate with the people they're trying to talk to and reach and help. You know, we, we have an event coming up and I'm expecting well over a thousand people. What does the sample size need to be? So if a company's really small, not been around that long, because look, I, I could probably only give you 500 people that came to the event. What would you do with an event? I guess it's, it's too solid, small of a sample size, right? Is there a certain sample size you need to be able to... Well, you can geofence the event and then try... The event is my event. It's only the 500 people. I got all their information. Yeah. So what do you want to find out about them? Well, I want to find out how to find another 5,000 people that come to the event. Sure. You could take that and model it out. You could take the 500 as a big enough sample size? Well, in order for us to match direct data, we need about 8,000 records, right? 8,000 emails. Okay. If, if, if we put a pixel on a website, you, you know, if you have more than 8,000 records, yeah, I can do it. If you put a pixel on a website, you need about 5,000 to 7,000 unique visitors. But the third way is the way that gets around all of it is just to build a modeled audience. So you say, I know all these 500 people. This is exactly who they are. I know them like the back of my hand, right, Tommy? You do. And then we can go out and find all the same people in our data and then put together the report on exactly that to show you how to build that out even bigger. So let's talk a little bit about effective strategies that you found, maybe unique strategies you just said mailer, but you said we, we used a digital mail. Chase. Chase. And my big market, I, I got to hit a certain KPI, but mm-hmm. then I unleashed the beast, which is TV, radio, billboards. Yep. And then what happens is I turn into branded searches. And then what happens is people flock to work for me. Right. So like, see you it, I love this, man. You're like, it's so nice to talk to somebody who gets it. I'm telling you, I know you work with people and you're like, no, if you do this, it works. And they go, oh, but that's that's hard. Ooh, well, the problem is, is a, where's the get rich quick pill, Tommy? That's it's, what they say. It's hard work, man. It really is. Because it really is hard work. work. It never is. It's never ending. I can tell by your passion that you're like, oh, no, well, I'm committed to this, which I love. Like, so keep going. Oh, no, I'm all in on this stuff, man. I, I know. I, I, I can tell. It. And I, I fly around the country constantly going and visiting amazing shops. I don't really like to go to the week shops. I, I always get inspired. I always need this constant. And I bring back 10 things everywhere I go. I've yeah, of course. Of books. Right. So what are some things that you've done? Like one of the questions I had here was, can having a controversial ad be effective? And, and as far as- are you, are you familiar with how I look at that? It's okay if you're not. No. I'll break it down. Oh, 
dude, I come from politics. You don't think I've ever dealt with controversial ads? Like that's the backbone of my work. So my third book is going to be on this. I've written two books. One's called Fire Them Now. The other one's called The Anybody Marketing System. I've dedicated two chapters in those books to what I call, well, in politics, it's the negative political ad. In business, people got scared as shit when I called it a negative ad. They didn't want to talk about it that way. So we call it the, it's a comparative ad or a comparatizing. So here's why. It's really, really important. And I break it down how to do it, why to do it, how successful it is. And I'll even give you examples right now, and I'll make it real quick. According to Forbes, we are seeing up to 10,000 ads a day online and offline. Every single person, okay? 10,000 ads per day. 10,000. If you think, you know, for your audience, like you think your home services business spending $1,000 a month or $5,000 a month is going to break through the clutter of 10,000. You're not competing against other home services companies or other people in your industry. You're competing against office chair companies. You're competing against t-shirt companies. You're competing against sunglasses companies. You're competing against 10,000 companies, right? I mean, it's insane. And so the way you break through the clutter is one, we've already talked about it, have a deep understanding of your customer through data and analytics to make sure you're talking to the exact right people with their exact right message. But if your message is still crappy, you're still not going to get conversions. And so how do you break through that clutter? You know what? I'm going to give you guys three great tips here. Three great tips. One, you know, it's so obvious. You probably recommend it everywhere, Tommy, to all your people. The more five-star reviews you have, the better it is. Because we've done evergreen campaigns where we've helped people get no customers, but 50,000 five-star reviews. And then when the customer goes in and Googles their company and one in their local community has 50,000 five-star reviews and the other has 222, who do you think they're going to hire, right? So that's one. How do, wait, 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 wait. Remember, or stick where you're at. You get 50,000 people to leave reviews that don't use you? No. Ever use your service? No. This is a national pest control company that we went back to their customers, got 50,000 five-star oh, okay. reviews. I'm and very familiar with the pest control industry. Actually, do you know a guy named Lenny Gray? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Anyways. But, but then we went out and whatever market they were in, we said 50,000, click on our website, and there you go, 50,000 five-star reviews. If you're not feeling safe about bringing some stranger into your house and you got a 50,000 five-star reviews, pretty good. The number two tactic that is crushing right now, it's breaking through all the 10,000 ads a day is humor. It is. Like well, the Geico commercials, they're, they're everywhere. Right. You're blowing through an example right now, right? Because it made a difference. It broke through all the clutter. The third is this comparative advertising. I coined the term comparatizing, but that's what it is. And so here's what I mean by that. Ads on politics. That's all I see. There's never what I'm going to do. It's dismissing the other candidates. Yeah, right. And by the way, you know why we do them? Because they work. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You answered it right. You're the only person who ever got that. Okay. So we work for a athletic clothing company. They were an e-commerce company, like a competitor to Lululemon. And when we looked at their data, Tommy, we found something pretty interesting that men didn't want to buy their, any kind of like cheap athletic gym wear, right? Shorts, sweats, t-shirts, stuff like that. They didn't like cheap athletic wear, right? They wanted high-end stuff. Again, think about like a Lululemon competitor, right? The t-shirts feel good. They're expensive, all this stuff. So we came up with this ad campaign that said, don't buy your clothes from a shoe company. 
And then it, the tagline was just don't do it. You get it. Just don't do it. Play on what Nike. Right. Yeah. Are you offended by that? Tommy, does that hurt your sensibilities? <laughs> uh, no, it works. And it you broke know, you. It was the most successful ad in the history of this company. The most successful ad with men. That was the target, right? We did a, a supplement company, e-commerce supplement company. We found out that 76% of their customers hated soda. How in the hell are you supposed to know that? But we did because we found it in the data. So we ran an anti-soda ad. It was the most successful ad in the history of their company. And then I got one more, and this is not a comparatizing ad, but we work with a home loan closing company, right? They're a title company. Right. So their customer market is a, a real estate agent. Okay? Right. When you go buy a house, you don't go, ooh, who's my title company? No, you go, hey, real estate agent, where do I go for the closing, right? Yeah. So we overlaid all the real estate agents in half of Florida, which was their customer base. And we found out, that 72% of the real estate agents owned dogs. How in the hell are you supposed to know that? We found out. So we started running campaigns with dogs in them. We started branding the company around dogs. They went from the third biggest regional title company in Florida, regional, to the number one regional title company and the third largest title company in the state of Florida. And did the dog ads make them that way? No, absolutely not. But the dog ads contributed. And the CEO of that company said it was the most successful ad they'd ever run. To this day, every real estate agent walks in their office and says, we love those dog ads. Those are the greatest things ever. And you're building relationships with the people you're buying or that are buying from you. And that's the whole point of why you find out what's in the data. There's a company in Phoenix that used to have a bunch of dogs running in the background. Uh, it's funny. So... I'm kind of blown away. This is like really, really good stuff. There's this guy that's a huge NPR. I forget his name. It might be Ted something. I'm trying to think of the book. But he writes these books and he's like, I can show you how to put out a piece that will get more. Like Elon Musk, when he broke the window, when it was supposed to be shatterproof, that shit went viral. Right. It, and, and like, it was good. It was really good. Yeah. I mean, some people say any news is good news. I don't know if I buy that, but is there a way to crack the code? Because right now, these Facebook and Instagram and all these places, they don't want you to go viral unless you're paying them. You got to pay to play. Yeah. Is there still a way to go viral? Is there things that can go viral? Is there things that just get out there quicker? Is there a formula? I, I think the way you do it is, let's just take it in the way we work. When we find 57 pages of data, then yeah, basically you've got about 570 different ideas you can play with and something of that will go viral. So one of the things that I did, oh, I'd say in 2020, was three days before the presidential election. Do you know a guy named is by the name of James Altucher? No. All right. He he has a podcast. I mean, he gets two hundred thousand downloads a show. It's a business podcast, and he's a buddy of mine. And then he came to me and he said, "Who's going to win the the election, uh, Trump or Biden?" And I said, uh, "It's fifty fifty right now." He goes, "If it's fifty fifty, then choose the side. If you're wrong, no one's going to remember. But if you're right." And everybody was predicting Biden. I mean, most everybody. So I wrote 2,000 word essay about the 10 ways that Donald Trump was going to win the election. He didn't win. He lost by 43,000 votes, right? In your state of Arizona and Georgia and Wisconsin, he lost by 43,000 votes, right? But it got 13 million downloads three days before the election. And it was a medium blog. 
And it was the most viral thing I've ever done. And the reason being is I tapped into the formula of just like Trump does all the time of finding the things that are on people's minds that they're not talking about for them to go, oh, yeah, that's right. Like the dog ad I just told you. That thing went viral in a very small way, in a very unique way, in a very niche way. But it blew up this company and helped them grow. And so for me, it's finding out the things that your customers or the market is thinking about, they're not talking about, and then talking about those things. So we're going to do between 150 and 200 million this year in revenue. If you were to lay out a PR plan, and here's the things we talk about, what things we're going to do on PR Newswire, what things do we want to, to go on the back of earned media, right? If we wanted a whole plan, you know, I could get a really good PR person for about 200 grand. I'm in 30 markets. The problem I have with PR people is the B2B people take B2C on the side. They're always pulling on side clients and like, I just want somebody focused. I got more shit for them to work on than you would ever imagine. How would you even think about building a team that could go out there and go on the back of news, get on articles, get you on the right podcast, get really good torch awards for the BBB, uh, best places to work. There's so much stuff going on all the time. How would you plan on a, a winning formula for that? So, I mean, I would just look at the model I did for myself, which is for 10 years now, it's a slow build and I did it all myself. And it's how I can still to this day, if I want to call and get on Fox News or Fox Business, they'll take me. I was on Maria Bartiromo's show. I've probably been on 25 times. I just email her and she says, come on whenever you want. So, and the reason that exists is not because I hired some PR firm and paid them an exorbitant amount of money because I've done that and you've probably done it too. And they all are horrible. Like I've never met a PR firm that's great. I really haven't. They will put you on KRJ in Napa Valley, California and tell you they got a win for you. Right. And that drives me insane. Like when they just go, Oh, we got you local radio in Napa. And I'm like, what? That doesn't do anything for me. I would say, because you're the best asset in your company to hire a team of PR people that you spend that 200 that way and then direct them to go get you and then use your leverage of all your contacts to get you into other places. That's how you're going to have the most success, not by hiring a PR agency. That's my experience. Yeah, I work, think you take it in-house. Forever and ever. I, mean, listen, I think I, in-house, you're going to have the most success. I wouldn't be surprised if next year I'm spending a million bucks a month just on PR. Mm -hmm. But the deal is, is I've got big goals. Well, yeah, but let me, this is another thing. Like we work with a lot of people that want to go out and do a lot of this stuff. Right. And I'm like, well, what do you want to spend? And they're like, oh, you know, like I said earlier, like 2000 a month. And I'm like, Grant Cardone and Tony Robbins spend a, over a million dollars a month, if not more on their brand. And you're going to tell me by spending two grand, you're going to compete with that. It's just not realistic. And they go, oh, I, that's going to happen. And I go, all right, well, we'll see. And I've never seen anybody do it. So I commend you for being committed to that because it's the only way it works. That's the market. That's the competitiveness of this market. It's insane right now. You know, these guys that are blowing up on social media, I forget this guy's name. He's the biggest search term on social media right now. And he's like, I'm bigger than Trump. I'm bigger than Biden. But he's such a douche. And he's so controversial. He's got his shirt off. He's talking about how women should act. And, and people are like, they hate him. But some of them love him. It's, it's the right. thing is, I think you got to take a firm stance on stuff to go viral. You can't be like, right. well... You know, I love the Democratic view and I really like the Republican. You got to take a stance. And yeah, I think people don't understand that. You know, somebody told me the other day on a podcast or, or after something, I don't remember exactly what it was. He goes, you know, the My Pillow guy. 
Yeah, Mike Lindell. Oh, yeah. He goes, do you think he gets a lot of people on CNN? He doesn't ever say the CNN. He does Fox News, and he says- He's been canceled. He can't. If I get half the country, I'm still winning. Yeah, of course. They're going with my pillows. They're buying my slippers. They're buying my sheets. He said, you don't need every person. You need to own your segment. He owns the Republican pillow, you know, base. So let me ask you a few questions. If someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, go to philipstutz.com. You can reach me there. Uh, hopefully you'll you'll spell my name out, but it's P H I L L I P S T U T T S as in Sam Philipstutz.com. All right. Next thing is I know you've got a couple of books out. We're gonna put them on the site so people could go get them. What's a few books that change your life that are must reads other than the E Myth, Who Moved My Cheese and Never I know that. All right. So there's a book by Ned Hallowell called Driven to Distraction. I'm so ADD that the book helped me understand how my brain work, what kind of work I need to do during certain parts of the day. I'm all analytical until about 11. After about 11, I can't do any analytical work. And so I typically do interviews in the afternoon because that helps light my brain up again. But it helped me organize how to be the most efficient I've ever been in my life. That one's been really good. Marshall Goldsmith's What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It's a great one. I've just finished Untethered Soul by Mickey Singer. If you've done deep emotional work like I have, I mean, I've done psychedelics and I've worked on my trauma for about eight years now, that book will change your life. Well, I'll tell you what, you're a cool dude. We'll talk a little bit after this, but this is, it's it's eye-opening. You know, you keep hearing these people say the data is disappearing, retargeting is going away, the government's cracking down on these companies, the, the Twitter, the Facebooks. Is that true? I mean, yes, have they cracked down? Absolutely. But guess what? I've already got 10,000 data points on every American. And then what I do is we now, we get all of our data from the streaming companies. So Vizio, Samsung, Roku, Hulu, the same things. And then we're able to get their IP address and target them and find out what they're doing. So has there been some crackdown? Yes. Has it affected us? Nope, not at all. Listen, last thing I do on my podcast is we talked a lot about a lot of awesome stuff here, but I'm sure we left some things out. Maybe there's a take action. Maybe it's just something we left out. Maybe it's just something on your mind right now, but I'll let you close this out with the audience here. Yeah, I'll just reiterate. I came on and the reason that my team reached out to Tommy, not the other way around, is because what we saw in Tommy was someone that was committed, not interested. It's like the biggest thing I harp on more than anything else. If you want to have success in this world, You have to be committed to a process, committed to a system. One of my mentors, a guy named Keith Cunningham, he's probably one of the greatest business coaches that's ever lived. Guy made $100 million before he was 40, lost every single penny, got divorced, almost was homeless, and then he built it back into a half a billion dollar empire. And he teaches you what gets measured gets done. And that's what Tommy teaches you. And so we don't reach out to everybody. We reach out to the committed because I know I can have a very interesting and engaging conversation, which I feel like we did today. But my passion in life is to get people to stop being interested. Like there is no easy road. There is no get rich quick pill. Tommy, everything you've done is a hustle. You've hustled your ass off to get where you are. And you've taken chances 99.99999% of your industry would never take. That's what it takes to be successful. And by the way, the Jim Rome has a great quote. 
we can let fear guide us. And I've got fears that guide me, right? I think we all do. But one of the things that you should understand is if fear guides your risk tolerance, then you need to understand that everything in life is risky. Getting married is risky. Having a baby is risky. Owning a business is risky. Everything's risky. So if your fear is, I can't take a risk, I can't take a chance, I can't get committed to what I'm doing, that's not living a great life. And that's why my passion more than anything else is to get people committed. And it's all because I've learned the lessons of of letting fear override my life for a long time. You know, it's interesting. I said you were going to let a word, word, but I really want to talk about this real quick at the end. I don't hold secrets. People come into my office. They can look at my CRM. I give shop tours. I tell everybody everything. There's no secrets. There's no, they can look at my price book. I don't care. A lot of my managers are like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like we work so hard to build this stuff. And I'm like, no, we've, literally copied from a lot of people and made it. Yeah, of course. Right. But, but a lot of people open up their doors to me, but you know, one thing I've learned is it's not easy to implement this stuff. It's very, very difficult. I could tell you what to do, but to go out and implement it. Hey man, Philip, I'm going to get you on the golf course. I'm going to show you how to hit the ball very, very far. It's going to take you years. I'm not saying you in particular, but you can't learn. Tiger Woods could say, Hey, straighten up your arm. It doesn't mean you're going to hit the ball longer. So you got to have the right team. And the thing that I've learned more than anything is, is the power of a plan day and delegation is what should I be working on today? And when I hire people, Philip, I try to find somebody way smarter than me. That's way better at yeah, that. I never want to be in charge. A lot of people say they feel bad when all of a sudden, like they're not needed. You build a company so strong, built to last, right? Jim Collins, you build a company so strong that you don't need to be there. There's nothing wrong with that. But some people, they hate it. They want to sabotage it. All right, I have a question for you. Yeah. What's the hardest thing you deal with at the level you play up? You know, I got to tell you, I was just talking to somebody earlier. Is this like divine intervention? It's like the pieces are falling into place. I work a lot. And I think the biggest problem is, is like, I enjoy working too much. I'm going to jump on a call later after I talk to you. But that's work for me. I enjoy it. I just had a barbecue with 25 new technicians. And I don't know if I can identify it. I think maybe just turning off. <laughs> That's yeah. probably the hardest thing is to say, all right, let's go into a trance. Let's really meditate for an hour. I'm like, ah, that is bullshit. But I know people need it. I just, I can't do it. I'm like, let's go drink a beer. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, it would be balance for sure. My balance uh, has been out of whack for 48 years, so that's what I'm working on now. Well, well there's a good book you should read, and we'll end with this. It's, it's by Dan Thurman. It's called Off Balance on Purpose. All right. I'm, I'm ready right now. And here's the deal, Philip. When you're close with God, praying five times a day, when you're working out four times a day and have a perfect health, you can't do that and be meditating all day and have a great relationship with your kids that you're going to all their events and also have the biggest career you've ever had to think that you could be all five of those it's ridiculous but there's times in your life that you need to be more on in certain things i think people should work harder when they're younger and save money but to say to live a balanced life i want to live this balance is a bunch of bullshit i'm telling you i just don't believe in it but Mm. i think you'll dig the book you married and have kids well I've got a three-year girlfriend. I don't have kids yet. I want kids. There you go. All right. Come talk to me when you do. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I get it. You see, I told Bree, I said, if I would have got married 10 years ago, I don't think <laughs> it would be happening. <laughs> yeah, no, it would be different. So, but, hell, I, I got to tell you, man, 
I live my best life every day. I don't have any regrets. I, I mean, of course, there's things I would have told myself to not do stupid stuff, but ultimately everything is shaped the way I am today. And I got a lot of weaknesses, a lot of things I should probably be working on, but I want to strengthen my strengths and hire around my weaknesses. So many people, they say, I need to become better at Excel. I don't even know how to change the price book at my CRM. I've got so many people that study and do this stuff. If I had to master everything, teach me how to be the CFO. Hell no. I pay my CFO a damn lot of money to be the best at what he does. So he's worked 10 years in PE. He came here. He's changing the game for us. So hire for your weaknesses. But Philip, stay on with me for a minute. I really appreciate you doing this podcast. Yeah, man, of course. Hey, guys, I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me. And I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're going to find out all the new podcasts. You're going to be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And, And do me a quick favor. Leave a quick review. It really helps us out. When you like the podcast and you leave a review, make it four or five sentences. Tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets, basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. I'm not making any money on it to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.